Review of His Power Seeking AI and Existential Risk by Eli Lifland. Alignment Report Reviewer Questions, Instructions for Reviewers. Please read the report and answer the questions below. Short answers are fine, and no need to repeat content already discussed. When you are done, email a copy of this document with your answers to nick at openphilanthropy.org. We plan to share your answers with the author of the report, Joe Carlsmith, by default so that we can improve the next version of the report. If you want to pass anything on to me privately, please send it over email to nick at openphilanthropy.org. If you would like to leave comments on the draft directly as well, feel free to make your own copy, label it with your name, and share it with nick at openphilanthropy.org when you are done. Some questions involve assigning rough subjective probabilities to imprecisely operationalized claims. Here, we're just looking for a loose sense of your epistemic relationship to the claim in question. We find that even rough probabilities in this respect are preferable to words like plausible, unlikely, significant risk, and so on. Joe is happy to answer any questions you have over email, or on a call, while you are reading the report. Please feel free to reach out to him, if it would be helpful to you, at joseph at openphilanthropy.org. Overall, this report aims to a. Articulate and evaluate an overall argument in support of the conclusion that misaligned, power-seeking AI systems will cause an existential catastrophe before 2070, and b. You assign rough probabilities to the premises, and ultimately, the conclusion, of this argument. Is the report's main project framed in a way that makes sense to you? If not, what is unclear or confusing? Yes, the project framing makes sense to me. Please briefly summarize the key argument of the report and, where applicable, which pieces of the reasoning you found most interesting slash informative. The report analyzes the possibility of existential risk from power-seeking AI, framed by decomposing a potential existential catastrophe into six steps. I'll summarize the steps below. Timelines, by 2070, it will be possible and financially feasible to build APS AI, roughly systems with advanced capabilities, outperform humans at tasks important for gaining power, agentic planning, make plans then acts on them, and strategic awareness, its plans are based on models of the world good enough to overpower humans. JC, flagging that the gloss of strategic awareness here isn't what I intended, this is relevant to a question you raised below. My definition, the models they use in making plans represent with reasonable accuracy the causal upshot of gaining and maintaining power over humans and the real-world environment, is meant to pick out the degree of world modeling required to notice the incentives to seek power, not to succeed in seeking power. Incentives there will be strong incentives to build and deploy APS AI. Alignment difficulty, it will be much harder to build APS AI systems that don't seek power in unintended ways, than ones that would seek power but are superficially attractive to deploy. High impact failures, some deployed APS AI systems will seek power in unintended and high impact ways, collectively causing greater than $1 trillion in damage. Disempowerment, some of the power seeking will in aggregate permanently disempower all of humanity. Catastrophe, the disempowerment will constitute an existential catastrophe. First, a qualitative analysis is done in sections which roughly correspond to the six steps, though in a few cases multiple premises correspond to one section or vice versa. Then, quantitative probabilities are given to form a forecast for the chance of existential risk from misaligned power-seeking AI by 2070. I enjoyed many sections of the report and overall found it extremely helpful for guiding my thinking about AI existential risk, but below I'll expand on some of the parts I found particularly useful. JC, glad to hear it. I liked section 1.2 backdrop which introduces and defends a simple two-step argument for the sensibility of worrying about existential risk from AI. Intelligent agency is an extremely powerful force for controlling and transforming the world. 
building agents much more intelligent than humans is playing with fire. It's been easy for me in the past to get into a headspace where I'm questioning whether I'm crazy for worrying about sci-fi stories about future AI. I appreciate laying out the argument for taking AR risks seriously as simply as possible, then defending and expanding on it. I also appreciate the emphasis on how AI agents will be actively trying to undermine humans' efforts to stop them, putting us in a uniquely adversarial position compared to many other existential threats. I appreciated 2.13 key properties for making an attempt at defining APS AI, the type of AI systems that we should be worried about engaging in misaligned power seeking. It seems like a more crisp definition than AGI or TIE though I remain a bit confused about when to use which and still think the core intuition of generality that Aji gets at is really important. I enjoyed the discussion of factors relevant to APS AI deployment decisions in 5.2 deployment. I found the diagram helpful for summarizing the benefits and costs decision makers will be facing in the situation, given their beliefs about the probability of power-seeking misalignment, PS misalignment, of the system. I like this portion of 5.3.3 bottlenecks on usefulness about how difficult it might be to refrain from deploying APS AI even if we think it might be misaligned. Indeed, even if people know or strongly suspect that such systems would seek power in misaligned ways in some not out of the question circumstances, the pull towards using them for goals that matter a lot to us may simply be too great. When pandemics are raging, oceans are rising, parents and grandparents are dying of cancer, rival nations are gaining in power, and billions, or even trillions, of dollars are sitting on the table, concerns about science fictiony risks from power-seeking air systems may, especially for some relevant actors, take a backseat. Did you find the report overall clear, reasonable, and convincing? If not, what seemed unclear, unreasonable, or unconvincing? Overall I found the report clear, reasonable, and convincing especially in comparison to previous treatments of the topic. I am strongly in favor of giving best-guess probabilities even when they feel imprecise, and I appreciated this report as by far the most thorough treatment thus far of the probability of existential risk from AI. I have a serious complaint around the framing of how the risk is decomposed, which may systematically bias Joe, reviewers and readers toward lower estimates of existential risk than is warranted. It's similar to Nate Suarez's concern regarding the risk being decomposed conjunctively when it might be more natural to think of it disjunctively, but I'll express it in my own words. In one sentence, my concern is that the framing of the report and decomposition is more like avoid existential catastrophe than achieve a state where existential catastrophe is extremely unlikely and we are fulfilling humanity's potential, and this will bias readers toward lower estimates. When playing a strategy board game, it's common to think in terms of win conditions, states of the game that you could get to where you'd feel pretty confident about your chances to win, even if they're intermediate. This is often something like a set of cards that puts you in a very strong position to accumulate a lot of points. I claim that we should often be thinking about AI futures more like win conditions in board games and less like avoiding a negative outcome. What are the win conditions we should be thinking about? The ultimate goal state is something like some number of aligned APS AIs filling the universe with value and bringing the chance to essentially zero that misaligned APS AIs will be created and ruin the equilibrium. When reasoning about the probability that we will avoid existential risk from APS AI, we should ultimately be chaining to this goal state in some sense. Similar to in board games, it might make sense to aim for intermediate stable-ish states which we feel pretty good about and think about the probability we can reach those. A possible example might be coordinating to get the major players to slow down on AI scaling, utilizing aligned non-APS AIs to police potential PS misaligned APS AIs from popping up, and doing tons of alignment research via whole brain emulation and or non-APS AIs. Thanks to Joe for verbal discussion on this point. But either way we should often be thinking about win conditions and goal states, rather than avoiding a negative outcome. In contrast to the goal state style of thinking, 
Joe's decomposition frames the task at hand as avoiding an undesirable state of existential catastrophe. This should technically be fine, but I think biases risk estimates downward. When thinking through the probability of the premises leading up to an existential catastrophe, I think it's very hard to intuitively take the number of relevant actors' consideration into account properly. The decomposition seems to prompt the reader toward reasoning about how likely it is that a specific APSAI system or set of systems will disempower humanity than how likely it is that we will get to a state where no actors will deploy APSAI systems that disempower humanity. As Nate Suarez argued, people are often reluctant to give very high probabilities to premises as it feels overconfident. But, one, means that very high probabilities may be warranted if it's hard to achieve a state where it's very hard for new actors to develop a PS misaligned APSAI. Very high probabilities might be warranted, but are hard to reason about and feel overconfident. I think there are some advantages to the avoid existential catastrophe framing, but it's likely less useful on the whole and at a minimum should be paired and reconciled with probability estimates given the goal state framing. JC, to me it seems like focusing on the probability that we get to an optimal scenario, rather than on the probability of existential catastrophe from AI, is too broad. In particular, it requires grappling with a very large number of factors outside the scope of the report, for example, the probability that humans misuse aligned AI systems in a way that results in a bad outcome, the probability that we get a mediocre outcome even absent any obvious catastrophe, the probability of various other non-AIX risks, and so on. I do think that how likely it is that we will get to a state where no actors will deploy APSAI systems that disempower humanity is important, and that it may be that the report could highlight to a greater extent that this sort of state is necessary, but I don't think that focusing on wind states in a broader sense is the right way to do this. EL, I appreciate that focusing on the wind state framing might make the project more difficult and agree stuff like non-AI risks are obviously outside the scope of this project. That being said, even just focusing on obvious catastrophes it seems important to understand what states would be stable enough to avoid catastrophe, which is separate from the question of whether these states are optimal. I and or Samotsvati might put out some forecasts using more of a wind state framing within a few months, which would probably help clarify my suggestion. I also have a complaint about the framing of the premises in the decomposition. Given that the aim of the report is forecasting the likelihood of existential risk from AI, I think the steps in the decomposition should mostly be statements like X happens rather than there's an incentive for X to happen. But in some premises Joe prefers to use the latter. One example where this seems particularly problematic is in the alignment difficulty step. It will be much harder to build APS systems that would not seek to gain and maintain power in unintended ways, because of problems with their objectives, on any of the inputs they'd encounter if deployed, than to build APS systems that would do this, but which are at least superficially attractive to deploy anyway. But I think a non-negligible portion of risk comes from scenarios where APS systems aren't superficially attractive to be deployed in some sense, but they're deployed anyway. This is also discussed in Suarez's review. In particular, actors might either not be that competent and not care that much whether the system is superficially attractive to deploy in some sense, or there might be malicious actors. I'd prefer if this premise was instead phrased as something like there will be APS systems deployed that seek to gain and maintain power in unintended ways, because of problems with their objectives, on any of the inputs they will encounter. Similarly, for the incentive step I'd prefer to ask if APS systems will actually be built rather than whether there will be strong incentives to build them. JC, I do think there are scenarios where misaligned AI systems get deployed without being superficially attractive to deploy. To me the most salient thing here is unintentional deployment, for example the AI breaking out of the box, so perhaps some revision would be useful there. That said, 
I think things like there will be strong incentives to create slash deploy AI systems, even if they are misaligned are in fact an important part of the mainline story overall, hence races, people building and deploying machines that will destroy the world, etc., so I think it can be useful to talk about them directly. Timelines The report focuses on AI systems with three key properties, the author calls these APS systems. Advanced capability, they outperform the best humans on some set of tasks which when performed at advanced levels grant significant power in today's world, tasks like scientific research, business-slash-military-slash-political strategy, engineering, and persuasion-slash-manipulation. Agentic planning, they make and execute plans, in pursuit of objectives, on the basis of models of the world. Strategic awareness, the models they use in making plans represent with reasonable accuracy the causal upshot of gaining and maintaining power over humans and the real-world environment. Any comments about or objections to this framing? Overall I like the framing and think it's a strong contribution. I like the discussion of planning and list of clarifications about what assumptions aren't made when referring to agentic planners. One confusion I have is how strong the strategic awareness condition is. When I first read the report, it seemed like a pretty strong condition. I interpreted it as something like are the AI's plans based on models of the world good enough to disempower humans? And I thought this would be by far the bottleneck to APS AI. However, based on my reading of one of Joe's responses to a reviewer that I now am having trouble finding, I think the condition may actually be weaker than this. The response I'm thinking about may be to me, strategic awareness is closely tied to understanding what's basically going on in the world, from the Thorsted review, but I remember the response in my head as being more strongly phrased than this. Joe writes that strategically aware agents make plans that are broad, informed, and sophisticated enough to represent with reasonable accuracy the causal upshot of gaining and maintaining different forms of power over humans and the real-world environment which I took as to essentially mean that its world models are accurate enough to disempower humans. To the extent this isn't the case, it would be good to clarify. And to the extent it is the case I think it would be better to explicitly define the systems as having world models that are good enough to disempower humans, perhaps relative to a fixed point in time like 2022 humans. JC, as I mentioned above, I meant for the definition to pick out the type of awareness necessary for noticing the incentives to seek power, rather than for actually getting power. Advanced capability is supposed to cover the ability to actually get power. To me the definition given seems relatively clear on this front, but sounds like further clarity would be helpful. What rough probability would you place on the following claim? Timelines, by 2070, it will become possible and financially feasible to build APS systems. 65%. This is for the stronger interpretation of strategic awareness above, the APS AI's models of the world must be good enough to disempower 2022 humans. I roughly agree with Joe's probability, but some of my reasoning feels different. JC, curious what your number would be for the intended, weaker, interpretation I discussed above. EL, very roughly, 75%, with a corresponding decrease in high-impact failures from 90% to 80%. The below is edited from some previous writing I've done regarding my 80% forecast for Thai by 2100. To me, the most informative object-level data points are Kotra's bio-anchors report. I think it's informative and it's probably the single biggest input into my forecast, but my guess is I take it as a relatively smaller input than Joe. I think the report is useful but so much of the question ultimately comes down to how much probability one assigns to being able to get tie slash APS AI with different levels of compute as well as forecasts regarding hardware progress, which are more open-ended slash qualitative disagreements than those that can be solved with quantitative modeling, though the quantitative modeling is informative as a framework for plugging in the qualitative estimates. 
the chance that the HFDT scales far assumption is correct. Does scaling up current systems and training them via human feedback on a diverse enough range of tasks lead to TIE slash APS AI? It seems likely enough to me that something in this vague vicinity will work that we should assign greater than 10% weight in the next 10 years and greater than 30% weight in the next 20 years, though I think some are underestimating the expected amount of engineering and data challenges that will come up. The dynamics around applying AI to speed up AI development. I haven't done much thinking slash modeling on this but it seems like it could be a big deal. This spreadsheet linked from this post collects examples of AI improving AI including NVIDIA using AI to optimize their GPU designs and Google using AI to optimize AI accelerator chips. One story that seems plausible is, language model, LM, tools are already improving the productivity of Google developers a little. We don't appear to yet be hitting diminishing returns to better LMs, scale, data, and simple low-hanging fruit like chain of thought and collecting a better dataset are yielding huge improvements. Therefore, we should expect LM tools to get better and better at speeding up AR research which will lead to faster progress. AR research might be easy to automate relative to other tasks since humans aren't very optimized for it by natural selection. See also Moravec's paradox, point stolen from NGO in Miri Conversations. Kokotajlo's arguments for shorter timelines are interesting and have moved me a little, but not that much. Birds, rains, planes, and AI, against appeals to the complexity slash mysteriousness slash efficiency of the brain pushes against the intuition that tie will be difficult because brains are mysterious and efficient, arguing that the same logic could have been applied to birds versus airplanes. This moved me a little because I think I did have that intuition to a large extent before, it still seems to me there might be something more fundamentally difficult about general intelligence than flying, but I'm not as sure as before. Fun with plus 12 ooms of compute argues that Kotra's report overestimates the amount of compute we'd need to get tie, and 12 ooms which is Kotra's median would obviously be enough. I personally wasn't very convinced by the post, I don't think it seems obviously very likely that the training runs described would be enough to produce tie. To me, the most informative deferral-based data points are Kotra's personal AI timelines, she gives 50% to tie by 2040 and 60% by 2050. Samotsvati's aggregate forecasts, the aggregate gave 32% to AGI by 2042 and 81% to TAI by 2100, barring pre-TAI catastrophe. Samotsvati forecasting is a forecasting group I'm part of that I give more weight to than super forecasters, and half of us who forecasted on AI timelines have some level of AI expertise. Joe lists data points from Metaculus and a survey of ML experts as further. Informing his view. I think we should give very little weight to either of these data points, as I described in my post on Samotsvati's forecasts. I expect Metaculous forecasts to be shallow forecasts from those who haven't looked much into AI risk and aren't as good forecasters as those selected to join Samotsvati. I expect most AI experts to not have good views on AI forecasting, as they don't think of it as their job to spend time thinking about forecasting what will happen with powerful AI and many don't have great judgment, this is supported by the wildly incoherent views AI experts have depending on minor differences in question framing. When I mash my intuitions together on weighting each of the object level and deferral-based points above, 65% feels about right. Incentives The author assumes that there are strong incentives to automate advanced capabilities, and discusses three reasons we might expect incentives to push relevant actors to build agentic planning and strategically aware systems in particular, once doing is possible and financially feasible. Usefulness Agentic planning and strategic awareness both seem very useful. That is, Many of the tasks we want AI systems to perform seem to require or substantially benefit from these abilities. Available techniques. Given available techniques, it may be that the most efficient way to develop AI systems that perform various valuable tasks involves developing strategically aware, agentic planners, 
even if other options are in principle available. Byproducts of sophistication. It might be difficult to prevent agentic planning and strategic awareness from developing in suitably sophisticated and efficient systems. Do you find these reasons persuasive? If not, why not? Yes, I found the reasons persuasive, especially usefulness and byproducts of sophistication. I generally found the reasons brought up to expect that there may not be strong incentives to build APS systems fairly weak. I already felt skeptical of the arguments against strong incentives, but I was further convinced by the incentives section of Kokotajlo's review which I think is excellent and I draw on some portions of Kokotajlo's review below. For example, going through the list of reasons Joe writes we might expect an automated economy to focus on, non-APS systems. Many tasks, for example, translating languages, classifying proteins, predicting human responses, and so forth, don't seem to require agentic planning and strategic awareness, at least at current levels of performance. Perhaps all or most of the tasks involved in automating advanced capabilities will be this way. I think Kokotajlo's point four in the incentives section of his review refutes this fairly convincingly. Cases where our intuition about is incorrect are cases where it turns out there is an easier way, a shortcut. For example, chess AI just doing loads of really fast tree search instead of the more flexible, open-ended strategic reasoning some people maybe thought chess would require. If the history of AI surpassing humans at tasks looks like this, then we should expect the left tail to contain a disproportionate percentage of the cases where there is a shortcut. Cases where there is no shortcut will be clumped over on the right. Furthermore, it's extremely hard for me to imagine agents that act coherently over long time horizons in the real world without agentic planning and some level of strategic awareness. How would we be able to create a virtual CEO without this? It seems like to do well at previous long horizon tasks, for example Go, we have almost always needed agentic planning, some explicit, some implicit, and some level of strategic awareness will be needed to extend useful behavior into real-world, complex environments involving humans. In many contexts, for example, factory workers, there are benefits to specialization, and highly specialized systems may have less need for agentic planning and strategic awareness, though there's still a question of the planning and strategic awareness that specialized systems in combination might exhibit. See section 4.3.2.1 for more on this. I agree this is a consideration, but it seems clear to me that for some very important tasks such as virtual CEO generality is an advantage. And if we look at recent trends of progress in deep learning, the majority of progress comes from scaling up more general systems and feeding them more general data rather than specialized tricks, CLM scaling. I used to be more sympathetic to this intuition but the point in favor of generality has been hammered home to me for several years. For example, I had the intuition that AI not make progress on competition math problems without specialization and made forecasts based on this, but it seems I was very wrong. See here for more. Current AI systems are, I think, some combination of non-agentic planning and strategically unaware. Some of this is clearly a function of what we are currently able to build, but it may also be a clue as to what type of systems will be most economically important in future. This point feels extremely weak. To the extent AI aren't agentic planners and strategically aware, I think this is all because of lack of capability to make them so. It seems like all the top labs are trying to race toward APS systems, and systems are becoming increasingly more APS over time. I don't see a reason for this trend to stop. To the extent that agentic planning and strategic awareness create risks of the type I discussed below, this might incentivize focus on other types of systems. I hope so, but I'm not optimistic. Top labs don't seem to be slowing down on the race for APS systems and I don't particularly trust the correct arguments about alignment to win out, or people to act rationally rather than based on emotion status etc. 
agentic planning and strategic awareness may constitute or correlate with properties that ground moral concern for the AI system itself, though not all actors will treat concerns about the moral status of AI systems with equal weight, and considerations of this type could be ignored on a widespread scale. I'm pessimistic about a substantial portion of society's ability to have moral concern for AIs in a coherent way, maybe unless we have cognitive aids helping us out. For example, the discourse around the Blake Lemoyne controversy was very low quality. And you'd need a very large fraction of the influential portions of society to get on board for this to matter much, as you only need one top lab going for APS systems for it to be an issue. While I'm pretty confident in strong incentives, I like the point that the track record of claims like humans do X task using Y capabilities, so AI systems that do X will also need Y capabilities might be poor. Though I also thought Kakotajlo's counterpoint in Bullet 3 was quite strong, that the track record may actually be good but we remember the surprising cases where the intuition turned out to be false. What rough probability would you place on the following claim? Incentives, by 2070, and conditional on timelines above, there will be strong incentives to build APS systems. 90%. It seems pretty clear to me that people will be trying to build APS systems, and I'll answer based on this rather than whether they have strong incentives to do so since the latter feels more nebulous. The 10% on false is coming from possible underestimation of specialization especially if a paradigm shift occurs in AI, unknown unknowns, and deference. JC, as I mentioned in response to Daniel's review, I'm sympathetic to the idea that my 80% was too low, here. Alignment. In this section, author discusses the hypothesis that for APS systems, misaligned behavior on some inputs, where this behavior involves agentic, strategically aware planning in pursuit of problematic objectives, strongly suggests misaligned power seeking on some inputs, too. In brief, the central argument here is that power is useful for pursuing a wide variety of objectives. He then discusses different challenges to ensuring that APS systems are practically PS-aligned. In particular, he considers two key challenges to controlling a system's objectives adequately. Problems with proxies, optimizing for a proxy correlated with intended behavior may break the correlation. Problems with search, searching over systems that meet some evaluation criteria won't necessarily result in systems intrinsically motivated by those criteria. He also discusses the possible role of restricting the temporal horizons of an APS system's objectives. Controlling its capabilities, for example, by giving it a specialized capability profile, and preventing problematic capability improvements. Controlling its options and incentives, for example, via restricting the environments it operates in, monitoring its behavior, and providing incentives towards cooperation. Finally, he discusses three ways that ensuring the safety of APS systems seems unusually difficult, relative to safety challenges posed by other technologies. Namely, the behavior of agentic, strategically aware systems much more cognitively sophisticated than humans may be uniquely difficult to predict and understand. This issue is especially salient in the context of contemporary machine learning, in which our ability to create an AI system that can perform some task, for example, predicting text, often far exceeds our ability to understand how the system does what it does. APS systems may be actively and adversarially optimizing for getting deployed, including via deceiving and manipulating us. This makes it harder to trust things like safety tests. The stakes of error are unusually high, for example, bioweapons may be a better analogy than planes or bridges. Joe concludes that ensuring the practical PS alignment of APS systems could well be difficult. Do you find the author's discussion and conclusion in this section persuasive? If not, why not? I agree that ensuring practical PS alignment of APS systems could be difficult, and I think it more likely than not will be. 
I also agreed with many of the specific points made, but will discuss some points I disagreed with or had particular thoughts on below. I'm not sure I place as much weight on the importance of separating practical PS alignment from full PS alignment as Joe does. It seems like if the AI is PS misaligned to any extent it will probably be practically PS misaligned as long as there is significant distribution shift between training and deployment. And it seems hard to get APS systems to do useful things without introducing some level of distribution shift. But I might be missing something here. JC. It seems like if the AI is PS misaligned to any extent it will probably be practically PS misaligned as long as there is significant distribution shift between training and deployment. Why think that significant distribution shift will take you to the inputs that cause PS misaligned behavior? Intuition pump for my model, seems clear that there's an important difference between will never ever kill my mother under any circumstances and will kill my mother given the inputs I actually encounter. In section 4.2, Joe discusses an objection to instrumental convergence. He notes that humans don't always seem to be particularly power-seeking colon some strategically aware human planners are, power-seeking in the sense of being resource-hungry, we might think, but not all of them, so strategically aware, agentic planning isn't, itself, the problem. Joe counters this point by noticing that almost almost all humans will seek to gain and maintain various types of power in some circumstances, for example most humans will walk across the street to pick up a billion dollar check. I'd further add to Joe's counterpoint that to the extent humans do useful things, it feels like our behavior can be fairly well described as attempting to achieve some objective, whether our cognition is explicitly planning toward this objective or not and to the extent we achieve our objectives well, we engage in power-seeking. I don't see an explicit definition for power in the report, but it seems to implicitly be defined as something like things which help an agent achieve its objectives. So to the extent an agent isn't power-seeking, including humans, this seems like a huge capabilities penalty. And under this definition I think all people working toward objectives are power-seeking to some extent. Thanks to Misha Yagudin for discussion on the points in this paragraph, and likely having come up with at least some of them. I think I'm more pessimistic than Joe about myopia helping us. My guess is that. It will be hard to make myopic systems that are useful without encouraging a huge capabilities penalty. It will be hard to know what level of myopia is safe, how short-term is short-term enough to be safe. And as capabilities increase, we may need to make systems more and more myopic if they're able to achieve undesirable objectives more quickly. Thanks to Richard NGO for discussion on this point it may be hard to ensure that systems are myopic in the first place. Joe mentions that we might aim for objectives that penalize high-impact action, but these face the same challenges re, proxies and search discussed in the last two sections. I'd add that this strategy seems to impose a huge capabilities penalty even if it works. NGO's arguments against myopic training also feel relevant here, though I've only skimmed it. Regarding 4.3.2.1 specialization, I didn't feel compelled by points in favor of specialization like there is a reason that the flashlight, camera, speakers, etc. on an iPhone are inferior to the best flashlights, cameras, etc. There seems to be a much better reason to expect general AIs to be useful rather than general iPhones. Core competencies like planning, prediction, etc. are very useful across a wide variety of tasks, thanks to Misha Yagudin for discussion on this point. And as hinted at below in this section, in my experience some people are quite generally smart and can apply their skills to a large extent to a wide range of cognitive tasks. I want to note strong agreement with 4.3.2.3 scaling. I'm most optimistic about strategies that utilize AIs to help with aligning stronger AIs, though I agree with Joe that it might just not work. I quite liked 4.4 unusual difficulties. All identified difficulties seem relevant and near the core of why I think alignment will likely be fairly hard. 
I might also add something getting at a core intuition I have which is controlling something much smarter than you feels probably really hard, a la the analogy of a child hiring an adult CEO described in why AI alignment could be hard with modern deep learning. Finally, a minor complaint, Joe defines misaligned behavior as a particular type of unintended behavior, namely, unintended behavior that arises specifically in virtue of problems with an AI system's objectives. I think this is referring to the objectives that the AI system in fact ends up pursuing when deployed, but this confused me at first. I initially thought the objective in this sentence was referring to the one that the AI is given during training, which confused me as the definition initially seemed to be ignoring alignment failures that could occur due to the result of the training process even if the training objectives were correct, for example inner alignment issues. JC, this is referring to the objectives that the AI system in fact ends up pursuing when deployed yes, that's what I had in mind. Deployment. This section discusses why we might expect to see practically PS misaligned systems actually get deployed. The author briefly discusses the possibility of unintentional deployment, then lays out various factors that might affect the beliefs and incentives of relevant actors in choosing to deploy a system that is in fact practically PS misaligned, even if they don't know it. He focuses on four factors that seem especially concerning. Externalities and competition. The profit slash power at stake in deployment may make it individually rational for actors to take risks that society as a whole, let alone all future generations, would not accept, and competition between actors may incentivize risk-taking. Over time, larger and larger numbers of relevant actors, with varying degrees of caution and social responsibility, may be in position to build these systems and take these risks. Practically PS misaligned systems may still be able to demonstrate a lot of usefulness. Practically PS misaligned systems might deceive or manipulate relevant decision makers. Overall, the author finds it plausible that if ensuring practical PS alignment proves challenging, practically PS misaligned systems could end up getting deployed. Do you find the discussion and conclusion in this section persuasive? Why or why not? I generally liked the discussion in this section, especially relative to previous analyses of the deployment problem that I'm aware of. I quite like the diagram in 5.2 decisions examining the perceived benefits and costs of deployment conditional on the probability of practical PS misalignment. That being said, I agree with Nanda that much of the deployment decision-making will be guided by emotions rather than rational cost-benefit analysis. When reading the list of factors that might push toward deployment, profit, power, prestige, thrill, etc., versus the list of factors that might push away, lack of success, legal costs, harm to themselves slash loved ones, altruistic concern, I feel the factors pushing toward will likely outweigh those that push away, at least for one relevant actor. In particular, the factors pushing away feel generally more rational while the factors pushing toward feel more emotional and status-seeking, and I generally expect people to act irrationally and status-seeking. I think the number of relevant actors is an extremely important point, which as I mentioned above is to some extent minimized by the framing of the forecast decomposition. Joe notes that similar abstract dynamics plausibly apply in many industries, and it's an empirical question, dependent on a wide variety of factors, what sorts of safety problems actually result. AI is no different. But I have the intuition that AI likely is different, for similar reasons described by Joe elsewhere in the report. AI will eventually be much more powerful than other technologies. To the extent AI is agentic, it's a uniquely adversarial problem. AI is much more appealing to deploy to those who think alignment won't be hard, compared to previous analogs for example nukes. To the extent we assign any weight to fast takeoff and or large algorithmic insights, it might be very hard to regulate AI such that the number of relevant actors remains manageable. I thought 5.3.3. Bottlenecks on usefulness was a bit too optimistic on whether alignment would be solved due to aligned systems being more useful.
For example, Joe claims that even very incautious and socially irresponsible actors are likely to test a system extensively before deploying it. Depending on what Joe means by testing a system extensively, I'm not sure I agree. Will socially irresponsible actors test that the system does well on a held-out test set? Yes. Will socially irresponsible actors engage in extensive interpretability, red teaming, and adversarial training? I'm not optimistic. JC, seems like a fair point. I agree with the point made in 5.3.4 deception that if deception arises in sophisticated systems, we will likely see rudimentary forms of it in more rudimentary systems. In 5.4 overall risk of problematic deployment, Joe writes that he doesn't think we should expect obviously non-useful, practically PS misaligned APS systems to get intentionally deployed. I'm not so sure, perhaps due to my disagreement on what socially irresponsible actors will do above. Another way of putting this is that I think it's more likely than Joe that will score an own goal, thanks to Joe for the own goal framing. One more minor thought I had while reading, a factor I'd add to whether decision makers will think PS misaligned AI is PS misaligned is uncertainty about the capabilities of the AI to seek power in relevant ways. JC, seems like a good factor to add, thanks. What rough probability would you place on the following claim? Alignment difficulty, by 2070, and conditional on timelines and incentives above, it will be much harder to develop APS systems that would be practically PS aligned if deployed, than to develop APS systems that would be practically PS misaligned if deployed, even if relevant decision makers don't know this, but which are at least superficially attractive to deploy anyway. 75% on something like there will be APS systems deployed that are practically PS misaligned because I think this is more relevant than whether systems are in fact some level of superficially attractive. JC, a reason I didn't want to focus on there will be APS systems deployed that are practically PS misaligned is because I think it is too easily satisfied. For example, a controlled APS system in a lab that tries to seek power in a test for power seeking would qualify, as would an APS system that does something bad during deployment but is immediately caught and contained. I think the core of the problem is likely quite hard, though there's a 5-25% to chance it isn't and default strategies like punishing misaligned power seeking and doing red teaming plus adversarial training will work. I think in the default case our chances are still not close to 100% due to incompetence of the actors involved, but they're probably above 50%. Conditional on alignment in fact being quite hard, I'm fairly pessimistic. As mentioned above I'm most optimistic about bootstrapping weaker AIs to help align stronger AIs in various ways, though I'm not at all confident this will work. JC, appreciate your breaking down your probabilities a bit here. Correction. This section discusses whether or not we should expect the impact of deploying practically PS misaligned APS systems to scale to the permanent disempowerment of all humans. It also discusses a few mechanisms relevant to the plausibility of this disempowerment. The author suggests that Serious risks can arise even if frontier capabilities do not escalate very rapidly slash discontinuously, or via an intelligence explosion, or in a manner that concentrates power in the hands of a single actor. Early warnings slash indications of problems are helpful, but not necessarily sufficient to solve the problems in question. Corrective feedback loops could be undermined by faster slash more discontinuous escalations in capabilities, adversarial slash deceptive dynamics, and coordination difficulties. Overall the author thinks that humans might well be able to correct PS misalignment problems and prevent them from re-arising, but that doing so will likely require addressing one or more of the basic factors that gave rise to the issue in the first place, for example, 
the difficulty of ensuring the practical PS alignment of APS systems, especially in scalably competitive ways, the strong incentives to use slash deploy such systems even if doing so risks practical PS alignment failure, and the multiplicity of actors in a position to take such risks. This task, he thinks, could well prove difficult. Do you find the discussion and conclusion in this section persuasive? Why or why not? I strongly agree with the point in 6.1 takeoff that some assume AIX risk requires something besides a slow continuous takeoff, but this is wrong. I'm pretty worried about worlds with any level of takeoff speed, though slow and continuous takeoffs probably help to some extent. I agree with much of 6.2 warning shots, including the overall claim that we can't rely on warning shots in a slow takeoff world. I disagree that we should expect fewer warning shots as systems get more advanced and strategically aware, because these systems will be better at hiding PS misalignment. I agree that being better at hiding misalignment is a factor but I think the dominant effect will be that more capable and strategically aware systems will be able to better comprehend and execute PS misaligned actions with significant impact. I'd expect more warning shots as systems get more advanced and strategically aware for most of the run-up to APS AI, until near the end when the hiding effect starts to dominate. JC, to be clear, I expect an increase in warning shots relative to where we are currently. The question is what happens once we have a few warning shots and are implementing new techniques to try to address them. And even then I agree there are factors in both directions, for example, they'll be better at hiding power-seeking intentions, but also more capable and so more able to benefit from attempting to power-seek. My main point in the report was that we aren't seeing warning shots anymore won't be especially strong evidence that the problem has been solved. Somewhat surprised you think that the hiding effect starts to dominate towards the end, given you other comments. What changes near the end, on your model, relative to the dominant effect will be that more capable and strategically aware systems will be able to better comprehend and execute PS misaligned actions with significant impact? EL, thanks for the clarifications. I agree that we aren't seeing warning shots anymore isn't strong evidence that the problem has been solved. On my model, the change near the end that makes the hiding effect start to dominate is that the model both has enough situational awareness to accurately assess that it has a high chance of succeeding in disempowering humans, and is capable enough to succeed. It feels likely that before this the model will have some lower level of both situational awareness and capabilities, which leads to increasingly concerning warning shots for a while unless you have a reason to expect the situational awareness to outpace capabilities. I think it's likely we'll see dumb takeover attempts before successful ones, uncertain about how gradual the path from dumb to successful will be though. In 6.4 corrective feedback loops, Joe argues that rapid escalation of AI capabilities is a failure mode in part due to giving AI-empowered actors with a small calendar lead time a large absolute advantage over competitors. But there's a competing effect here, which is that large leads might give alignment-motivated actors a bigger lead over other actors, calendar and to a greater extent effective time if AI ends up being useful for alignment. This possibility seems very good and maybe even a significant component of worlds without catastrophe. JC, fair point. What rough probability would you place on the following claim? High impact failures, by 2070, and conditional on timelines, incentives, and alignment difficulty above, some deployed APS systems will be exposed to inputs where they seek power in misaligned and high-impact ways, say, collectively causing greater than $1 trillion $2,021 of damage. 90%. It's hard for me to imagine worlds in which misaligned APS AIs are being deployed and lots of damage isn't caused, but $1 trillion is a lot of damage and maybe smaller warning shots will be enough. If at least one misaligned APS AI is deployed I expect probably many to be deployed, as there are strong correlations on alignment difficulty across different actors slash tasks. JC, correlations between some and many do seem relevant here. 
what rough probability would you place on the following claim? Disempowerment, by 2070, and conditional on timelines, incentives, alignment difficulty, and high impact failures above, some of this misaligned power seeking will scale, in aggregate, to the point of permanently disempowering all of humanity. 80%. Doing $1 trillion in damage but not disempowering humanity feels like a narrow capabilities target to hit, as mentioned by Suarez. That being said, I think large enough warning shots would freak people out a lot and there's some chance disempowering all of humanity turns out to be really really hard so I hold out some hope. Catastrophe. The author briefly discusses the possibility that the permanent and unintentional disempowerment all humans would not constitute an existential catastrophe, for example, an event that drastically reduces the value of the trajectories along which Earth-originating civilization could develop. He also emphasizes that some AI systems might have moral status, and that the right way forward may ultimately involve humans intentionally ceding power to them. The point in the present context is to avoid unintentional disempowerment of humans. Any comments on this section? I agree with Joe here. Conditional on unintentional disempowerment of humanity, it's likely that almost all potential value in the future would be lost as there's a large possible space of values, and the vast majority of them being optimized leads to valueless worlds from the perspective of human values. See also value is fragile. What rough probability would you place on the following claim? Catastrophe, by 2070, and conditional on timelines, incentives, alignment difficulty, high impact failures, and disempowerment above, this disempowerment would constitute an existential catastrophe? 95%. Overall probabilities. The author concludes by listing his own subjective, highly unstable probabilities on each of these premises, along with a number of caveats about these probabilities should be understood. The probabilities are By 2070 It will become possible and financially feasible to build APS systems. 65% There will be strong incentives to build APS systems. 1. 80% It will be much harder to develop APS systems that would be practically PS-aligned if deployed, than to develop APS systems that would be practically PS-misaligned if deployed, even if relevant decision-makers don't know this, but which are at least superficially attractive to deploy anyway. 1. 2. 40%. Some deployed APS systems will be exposed to inputs where they seek power in misaligned and high-impact ways, say, collectively causing greater than $1 trillion $2,021 of damage. 1. 3. 65%. Some of this misaligned power-seeking will scale, in aggregate, to the point of permanently disempowering all of humanity. 1. 4. 40%. PS misaligned systems permanently disempowering all of humanity will constitute an existential catastrophe. 1 5. 95%. In combination these probabilities yield an overall estimate of tilde 5% chance of an existential catastrophe by 2070 from scenarios where all of 1 to 6 are true, which the author would adjust upwards to reflect power-seeking scenarios that don't fit some of 1 to 6. The author also notes in a footnote that his high-end and low-end estimates vary considerably from between tilde 40% on the high end, to 1% on the low end. Any comments on these probabilities? Does anything stand out to you as unreasonable? I think Joe might be too reluctant to be highly confident in premise 2. 40% feels pretty low to me for premise 3, I'm guessing part of our disagreement is regarding technical alignment difficulty, for example I'm less optimistic about myopia, and maybe about how surprised we should be if alignment turns out to be doable with some effort required but not that hard and part is regarding the competence of relevant actors. For all of premises 3, 4, and 5, I'm not sure Joe is taking into account to a large enough extent how important the number of relevant actors point is. As mentioned above, this
might be helped by adjusting the decomposition to estimate the chance of reaching a goal state rather than the chance of avoiding catastrophe. What is your own rough overall probability of existential catastrophe by 2070 from scenarios where all of 1 to 6 are true? 65%, 90%, 75%, 90%, 80%, 95% equals 30%. I'd predict 35 to 40% for any AI-mediated existential catastrophe, not constrained by steps 1 to 6. Any final comments on the report as a whole? Thank you again for writing this. Reading through the report and writing up my thoughts on it helped me a ton in fleshing out my views on AIX risk. JC, thanks for your comments. Permissions. Would you be okay with us making your answers to the above questions publicly available? Yes. Would you be okay with us publishing your name alongside your answers? Publishing with your name is preferable on our end, because we think it helps give readers more context, but it's also fine if you prefer to remain anonymous. Yes. I'd like to acknowledge some people who have most shaped my views regarding the report via conversations, Misha Yagudin, by far the most, due to extensive discussion about the report and some of the reviews, Thomas Larson, Joe Carlsmith, the author, Richard Ngo, and probably others who I'm forgetting. I'd also like to thank the previous reviewers, from whom I stole several points and whose reviews generally helped shape my views on AIX risk.